Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Today, I'm joined once again by our friend, Sean Sands. Hello. And we also welcome back freelance writer TJ Hafer. Hello, hello. So today, we're going to be talking about Ashes of the Singularity, the uh, sort of Supreme Commander meets Kohan RTS from Stardock. We've been, I've had this topic sort of penciled in for a while, but it turns out that if you try to get a real-time strategy game topic done on this show, and it's not named like StarCraft, things get really <laughs> tough. Um, it, like, I, think you can, I think you can actually sort of chart the downward trajectory of RTS games based on like how, how many weeks of attempts it takes me to get a panel for it. Because <laughs> uh, I basically, uh, Sean, I basically like yes. was reduced to pleading, right? By, you really weren't. Yeah, no, we we've been talking about this. Uh, it was let still me rephrase. when we I, brought this yeah, up. Yeah, no, it was it was. I was still probably had a Christmas tree up. Now, to be fair, that could have been March. I'm not <laughs> sure, but yeah. TJ, I know you reviewed the game for IGN. Uh, why don't you talk us through like? What is Ashes of the Singularity's hook, right? So it's it's a real-time strategy game. I threw out a couple cryptic references, possibly, for some listeners at the start. Um, what's 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 Ashes uh, bag, as it were? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely Supreme Commander is a good touchstone uh, for uh, in terms of more recent stuff. It's a high-level strategic real-time strategy game that is like we don't we don't want you to be worrying about micromanagement. It's actually pretty impossible to micromanage <laughs> the units in this game it's all about building these giant like i think they call them meta units at one point uh which are giant armies made of lots of smaller units that you operate and move around as if they were a single cohesive entity and you know thinking thinking ahead of your opponent figuring out what units you're going to want a couple minutes from now and where you're going to want them instead of just playing reactively and uh winning winning the game by being more intuitive and countering stuff your opponent's going to do before he even does it. And you mentioned uh <laughs> you mentioned that it's actually pretty impossible to to micro your units and I, I think that's that's sort of where I want to jump in with this. Yeah. Uh I was surprised at how different this game feels at first. Like mm -hmm. there was a learning curve here that was very different from the typical RTS. Like I didn't feel like so much was being thrown at me so quickly. I couldn't sort of grip, get a grip on it. It's that this behaves really profoundly differently from a lot of other RTS games. And yet it looks vaguely like a half dozen of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. And, and, and the, the way that, when you lose a match in this game, it's like you could almost do like a single slide PowerPoint presentation of here's why I lost. It's not like, oh, because at this minute mark, I didn't counter whatever drop was going on here. It's like, no, I just didn't build the right units and I didn't have these units in the right place at the right time. And it was just an overall strategic failure from the get go. And and you kind of learn uh, it, it's, it's chess like. I guess that's kind of an overused term in strategy criticism. But I did really feel like it had that element of. No, I, I do think I, I think one of the interesting things, though, that that I really that I just frankly struggled with just because it's not where my brain automatically went is that uh, you mentioned it not being reactive like you. you yeah. You cannot. I mean, you virtually cannot react to a situation in a reasonable amount of time in this game unless you've prepared that defense in some way in advance like that that was one of the things i think i struggled with the most is that um i've gotten so used to games like starcraft uh where it really is you know kind of there there's a sense of precision and and sort of ownership of all the moments going on at once and the complexity comes from all those things and just sort of managing them you don't you're not given that task here you're really given a task you may still be managing hundreds of units but you're giving very sort of generalized orders that are going to take seconds um if uh, sometimes god it feels like longer to execute on right you say okay oh no this army's out of position i need it to move back and it acts like um a giant army that is you know maybe a mile long or a mile wide it's just like okay well you know it's like it's turning the tight is yeah just turning the titanic every time yeah you've got you're you're a general officer you've got 
you know, an army and you decide what's in that army and you're going to send it to the Western Plateau. But once it's at the Western Plateau, it's going to live and die based on its own, you know, individual unit AI and you're not really going to have much to do with it. It's just, it's been sent out there and for better or worse, it's either going to, it's going to take that plateau or it's not going to and you're going to have to adjust to that. I feel like army composition is a huge part of this game that I just either stubbornly chose not to learn or didn't learn correctly um because i i feel like the you know when you have a pitched battle it is clear that some sort of army composition thing is going on within that i didn't feel like the game gave me a lot of feedback about that interplay between armies i mean one of my one of my struggles with it again is you get this you know and again i guess it's sort of battlefield realistic um two armies get into a huge fight and it's and it's utter chaos because you have you know dozens if not hundreds of units um going at it in in an area and so i mean when you talk about that you know you go up that battlefield or you go up that hill to take it and it either happens or it doesn't i i i'm curious if you had this same trouble or if you kind of saw through the matrix like i just wasn't feeling what the game was trying to tell me about the outcomes of those battles well, when, when I'm playing an RTS, I'm actually, I'm like seeing the, the source code. I'm not actually looking at the game. So, mm-hmm. no, no I, had, I had the exact <laughs> same problem. When you're TJ's level. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had the exact same problem, and I think that's a very good point. Uh, case in point, one of the factions, the, the substrate, they have certain units that actually have to be recharged by this other unit that's like a battery unit, and they can't yep. use their guns if they're not recharged. Uh, the first couple skirmish games I played as them, I thought that some of their units just had a really slow rate of fire. I didn't even pick <laughs> up on the fact <laughs> that their weapons had like a limited battery power, and you have to bring these these you know power generator units with them. Well, um, yeah, and see, this is this is one of the things. God, there are parts of this game that are just at odds with itself. Like, yeah, a a mechanic like that, a dynamic between two units like that has no place being in a game like this like ashes of the singularity does everything it can to discourage you from watching battles unfold at the ground level uh and that actually starts with i would say the art style uh which i found kind of not only rendered the differences between the two major armies to be fairly hard to grok visually uh but but also then from unit to unit I, I found it very difficult to identify what specific units were and to identify what their purpose was based on the art, right? Like, uh, so when you start rolling out cruisers for the uh, for the PHC, which is like the the human faction, I guess, or the hu- <laughs> they're all robots. Uh, Post human, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Let's, transhuman let's, something. Yeah, sure, they're more human. They're not the killer robots. Uh, these are the good robots, I guess. But they were all at these cruisers, all of which is basically a variation on, like, a floating Pontiac uh, symbol. <laughs> like, they're, they're all just arrows. I thought you meant the basically. car for a second. You, well, yeah, that too. Uh, yeah, they, they, they all look like Pontiac 6000s. Uh, they're kind of janky. My Buick Riviera simply just wouldn't turn fast enough. That was always my problem. Man, they do feel like, they do feel like Buicks. Uh, no, but, it, seriously. But these things roll out. They all look, they all have roughly the same, pro, the same profile. And if you zoom in, you will see that, like, the artillery one has, like, a dual multiple rocket launcher on its back where the other units don't. But, like, just looking at these, even up close, side by side, it's hard at first glance to tell, like, okay, so what are those two units? And then what can I infer from their design about what they do? But that's not where you're going to be watching this game from. This game is going to be viewed from high altitude. You're going to be zoomed out. Um at which point all these units, even the big ones, are going to look like specs on a map. And at that point, you just won't be able to see uh, what they're all doing, what they're contributing, and what is really going on with these clashes. And so I found like my army composition was almost done with this, like, it was done like aspirationally, I guess I'd say. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. feel like, I think, like, I, I put my order, like, 
one of the things you can do, and it's it's it, like one of the things you can do in this game is you can set your factories to repeat orders, just like in a lot of RTS games. Uh, you sort of queue up a bunch and you repeat that queue, and it will churn out that exact set of units time and again. Uh, and so what I would do is I would just set them in a proportion that seemed right. I'd be like, all right, well, a bunch of frontline units and then some artillery to support them and then uh, medic units to, to back them all up. That seems like it would do a good job. So mm-hmm. that'll, be, that'll be what's going, getting fed into my army. And I just have streams of these guys rolling out and being sent to the front. But I actually have no idea whether that's a good army. Like, I have, <laughs> right. like, I have no clue. It sounds right. It sounds yeah. brilliant. I, I can imagine how effective that army could be uh, if it were engaging enemies in the realm of my fantasy. But I have no idea how that army is actually performing in this game. And I don't know how it's going to perform based on other, like the enemy's unit composition choices, which I also can't perceive because of the aforementioned like art direction problems. And so then when you add stuff like the, there's a battery unit that's got to be going and recharging units, what's the right ratio? Like, what's, like, like what, when am I being efficient with that or not? I have no clue. And that's a that's a that's a that's a frustrating. Uh, the game leaves me in the dark about these 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 crucial things, and I find that really frustrating. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you're saying, and it seems like that there should be some mode of feedback where if you lost a battle, obviously if they just had you outnumbered, like if they have three right. dreadnoughts and you have one, you're probably going to lose that battle, and you probably know why because they had more dreadnoughts. But on on a more fine level. It would be nice if games like this could figure out a way to give you feedback on, okay, well, one of the reasons you lost is they had a lot more artillery and you brought these so-and-so units that are vulnerable to artillery, so, you know, next time either bring more artillery or don't bring so many units that are vulnerable to artillery, whereas you kind of just have to experiment uh, at this stage in, in a game like Ashes of the Singularity to figure out that kind of thing yourself. Yeah, I get I, I... The, there's the difference between i mean obviously the dreadnoughts sort of exist on their own we haven't really gotten yeah. to that but the you know there there's this real difference for me between like the cruisers like so i, I mainly played the what is the post-human whatever um and so you have like the zeus and the artemis and the apollo and you know each one of these actually i began to register what they were more by the way they fired or mm-hmm, where they mm-hmm. were pos- consistently yeah. positioned in the army uh composition like like that is how i sort of registered okay well they have this and i have this um but when it got down like like i think to your point rob you have this sort of meat of your army is just these masses of infantry essentially for lack of a better term um that are absolutely it's like oh look at my many specs do many different things i wonder you know it's like i that that there, that feedback is is I think a huge part of the uh, issue for me. I should also preface preface that I primarily played this uh, exclusively played this single player, um, and you know spent a lot you know played played through the campaign and um, oh boy that campaign oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god anyway uh, so so I I'm curious is it I mean. It, have either of you played multiplayer and how does that transition or change that experience? Well, it kind of, I I think it's actually a better game multiplayer than it is in, in campaign or skirmish, just because to some degree, both sides are, are suffering from what Rob is talking about. Like neither of you really know what you're doing with unit composition. (laughs) And it just becomes a matter of like, okay, well I think he's going to put his dreadnoughts here. So if I send my dreadnoughts here and I get a bunch of like, you know, anti heavy cruisers over here to counter him there, it just, it just turns into this like trying to guess what your opponent is going to do and go all in on whatever unit hard counters. That It's, it's sort of been my multiplayer experience. Um, so I, I think it definitely is. It works a lot better in multiplayer just because you know your opponent is guessing just as much as you are. Like, what mix do I need of like the the archer small tanks and the heavy, you know, frontline small tanks? So yeah, I mean, I I mostly played uh, I mostly played skirmish and single player. Um, okay, so you brought it up. Yeah, the single player. I mean, we're going to talk about it long. No, there's not much to talk about. Um, 
Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't get through more than a couple missions of the single player. Like it was like, <laughs> it, it, it just list things that are just sort of gen- like you think of the most generically awful RTS campaign, uh, yeah. and that's kind of how it opens. I don't know if it gets better. Maybe it gets. Maybe it no, hits like no, Company of I, Heroes. No. I finished. I finished the campaign, and it's it's definitely the weakest part of the game. So I, I just need to get this part off my chest. It's such a little thing. It's so small, and it shouldn't bother me. This So every, periodically, relatively frequently, actually, through the missions, it'll go to this guy who's talking to you. And it will just—you might be in the middle of a battle, and the game will just go, yes. Here, I'm going to take control—here, now, here, come look at this. The battle is still going on, by the way, yeah, in the background. Yeah, that was awful. And the, the text goes by so slowly. It's honest to God like you're listening to somebody go, um, I just want you to look at— uh, this real quick. It's, oh my God, please, please let me go do what I was doing again. I have never been so frustrated as I was like, just, can I make this go any faster? Apparently not. Uh, that, that it's such a small thing, but it's so that, that there are a few things in almost any kind of game, you know, from a strategy game to an action game to whatever, where the game rips control out of your hands at a moment that you're actively trying to do something. Uh, that's, that, that that just there i've said it i'm better deep breaths i feel good oh i hated that well <laughs> it's like the the design of the missions was not all that clever like they're right. relying on the terrain of the map to provide all of the challenge they don't really give you any super interesting objectives it's just like playing a bunch of skirmish maps and at the end they add more and more and more ai and opponents into those skirmish maps to artificially inflate the difficulty yeah. and there's one character who talks, it's the bad guy, and you're supposed to care about your, like, post-human friend AI guys, Mac. but, yeah, yeah. Mac, or whatever, and, like, they, but they just communicate through text, which is usually what, what Sean says, where they're, like, ripping you away from doing whatever you were doing to slowly explain something to you that you're not going to care about five minutes from now, and... Yeah, that's, it just... It was it was a hot mess. <laughs> just the, the single player campaign was, yeah, it, and and I think it really colored my experience because, like I say, yeah. primarily I was playing single player, and I did that first. I tend to play campaigns first, and it sort of to me almost exposed everything that I would go on to be sort of bothered by lately. I, Rob, you and I, one of the first conversations we had was this discussion around the game just feels like it's fighting itself all the time. Like it is uh, constantly in some sort of internal conflict as, you know, act quickly, but don't, you know, but you don't have tools to act quickly um, and evaluate your your army and your, your, your situation, uh, but you don't have the feedback to evaluate that army in that situation. Like the, it's it's almost like, the campaign is like, here are all the bad parts of our game, like right up front. Now go play, you know, a skirmish or multiplayer and try and forget all that. And that was, that. that's, that's something I just, I was never able to get past later, or at least in, in, in the time that I played. Yeah. And it was coming right off the back of Deserts of Karak, which had a really good oh, campaign. So, so it good. seemed even, yeah. yeah, even more unforgivable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know like what the respective, like budgets of those games were how many how many resources could be allocated to the campaign ashes of the singularity definitely feels like it was done on a comparative shoestring mm-hmm. uh and that campaign especially seems like sort of a, a shoestring budget campaign um but yeah I, I just bailed out on that campaign extremely quickly because like the moment it starts leading you around by the nose like send your army here Send your army mm. there. And I'm like 25 minutes in the campaign and I get to have built a unit or a building. I'm like, this just isn't like this all should have been put in an optional tutorial. And then the real game begins somewhere else. Uh, like the, it was just I just found that completely unbearable. So I bailed out and I went to the um, I went to the, the skirmish mode and started playing that. But. Sean, Sean, I'm curious. Like you, you mentioned that there's there's all these ways it's in conflict with itself, and so like to the point about it being difficult to evaluate what's happening and the way that sort of undercuts the fact that this is a strategy game. Uh, I am curious, like when you guys think back to your experiences playing Supreme Commander, 
did you really know what the hell was going on in those battles? Like when you when you zoomed out and you were watching from satellite view, did you really have the slightest idea of how your units were doing? And if you didn't, why does it bother you more here? Because like Supreme Commander is kind of maybe maybe it's rose tinted lenses, but I feel like this always comes up in a very positive context. Ah, Subcom, that was the 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 granddaddy of the the total annihilation style, uh, uh, you know. RTS, right? It was sort of the pinnacle of, of that design. But when I, when I really think back on it, like, I was also flying blind for a lot of those games. It just didn't bother me as much as it does here. I guess maybe the, the difference I sort of see with Supreme Commander is there was a little bit more of an idea of sort of different theaters you were operating in in terms of, like, land, sea, air, and super yeah. units. So it was like I could I could think to myself okay this battle isn't going well maybe i need more air support over here so i i there was at least that that level of i kind of know what i need to do to change the direction of how the situation is going which i didn't necessarily feel uh was that uh that possible to do in in ashes I also feel like there's a responsiveness thing going on. So, I mean, this the Ashes of the Singularity has a very specific pace it seems to be trying to go after. And that is not the StarCraft pace. That's not even the, uh, you know, the Homeworld uh, pace. It is its own thing. So I'm, I'm able to go with that. But I feel like in, in my head, I have this sort of scale of a balance, right? The, 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 the less... You're responsive. The more it is sort of a a strategy level strategy game, the more I expect information to be conveyed through that. Right? You know, it, it the, you know the more it's sort of a, for lack of a better term, sort of twitch actiony strategy game. I'm I'm happy, uh, which I feel like Supreme Commander was more. Right? It just it just things moved more fluidly. They they the action was you know felt um, more dynamic. It felt like I had more control over the situation. Uh, whereas this game, I feel like everything's moving very slowly and my brain's just sort of telling me I should be able to evaluate what I'm seeing then because this pace suggests that, um, which I didn't feel as much, I think, in, in something like Supreme Commander. Yeah, well, and, and there's definitely something to be said for the fact that, that Subcom took its world building a lot more seriously and put a lot more effort into it. And to me, that does rub off even on a, a skirmish or a multiplayer map because I feel like I have a familiarity with the world and a connection to the world that makes all of this chaos going on more meaningful and more understandable uh, just from that little bit of extra effort and polish going into the presentation. So I want to talk about the the, the armies and the controls a little bit because there's, there's things here I like and there's things I really don't. Um, one of the really cool things, and you referred to it earlier, TJ, is the fact that the units uh, become like meta units, which is not entirely, that's not just a buzzword or, or some sort of future term for it. Like armies fight kind of intelligently based on what is in them, right? So like armies with heavy artillery will like keep that artillery back and screened off and the army will sort of operate to protect that predominant artillery advantage um and they'll just lay down fire and you won't have you don't you won't have to worry about when you give an attack order the artillery is just going to mount up and go in alongside the assault units like the the armies generally like allocate their unit resources pretty intelligently around the objective um but something that drove me crazy is that that seems to be at war with control units. Um, that that a control group is not necessarily an army. A control group can just be a group of units that that you have hotkeyed, but then they are not functioning as a meta unit. They're just functioning as sort of their their standard basic unit AI, but they're operating all to to one command group. Uh, but then if you try to add the, so basically the thing is an art, like you can have an army keyed to a control group, but something that was a consistent problem for me was then trying to integrate new units to that army without the entire thing going to hell. Uh, because a, a lot of times it would eliminate my control group. So I would create the new army and the control group would just vanish. 
Uh, and so suddenly, like, I wasn't, I had to sort of reassign that control group, which it, it was just, it just became a little like, you know, it, was, it required like a mental, mental, like sticky note, right? Uh, to, to, to remind m- myself to do that. But the bigger issue was, and this happened all the time, you'd have an army fighting in this pitch battle, right? And then your reinforcements would be rolling up behind, they'd be entering the battle space. And I would select them. And I would recreate the army with them included in it. And immediately the center of gravity of the army would seem to shift all the way back to like the, the approaching column. I would see my units at the front just disengage and be like, yeah. well, we're, we're doing other stuff now. And I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're engaged. What are you doing? Just let the reinforcements come up and we can win this thing. But instead, I would just watch the AI just start to do something that was completely off script. And, I, uh, and you couldn't stop it at that point. Like, I'd be frantically clicking, like, go back, attack these guys, fight the guy in front of you. And the A would be like, yeah, but first I got to get back in sort of a good formation. Uh, so I'm just going to let those guys at the front, like, they're just going to turn around and get murdered while their backs are turned. And it'll be cool. Don't worry. <laughs> and it was like, it was, it was crazy. It was like, and like, clearly I just, like, I had to learn that you can't do that, right? That that is something right. you just can't do. You have to bring your units into the battle separately from the army and then integrate them after the shooting stops or, or whatever. But you can't just be feeding new units into the army or that or that AI, which is pretty clever if it's left to its own devices, will get totally confused and like run your army around in circles. But that also would happen sometimes if your army needed to change directions. Like you realized something was going wrong somewhere else nearby. And you'd say, okay, we need to turn around and go back and, and fight here. And once again, you'd see a similar kind of thing is the AI just started rearranging troops to its own satisfaction and not moving. It's just not reacting to what you were telling it. And so you're just like clicking like again and again, like please go to the thing and fight the thing. And it wouldn't do it. There, there also seemed to be, at least to me, some sort of upper limit on how many units you could throw into a meta unit before it would start behaving bizarrely. Like, I kind of got yeah. a sense of, at, at some point, when I was playing, like, a longer skirmish match with a whole bunch of control points and a whole bunch of resources on it, there there did come a point where, like, the, it just the AI could not handle the size of the army you had told it to build anymore, and it just got really cumbersome, and it like it didn't know where to put anything. Uh, I, yeah, I also found that that was somewhat impacted by terrain too. Like I could have a big, wide, thick army, and you know it's out on a plane. I'm just like go, you know, forward on the plane. They're like, we got it, boss. Good job. We'll do it. And then I'm like, okay, now go down this uh, this canyon path right here. And they're like, we, I don't, I, how, how do we do that? <laughs> like just line up thinner. And they're like, well, I mean, but we're why? But you could line up thinner, right? I do want to take a moment though to appreciate actually the army system for the, yes. aside for the control point, which I a hundred percent agree with you on. And I did the same thing. I just gave up. I just said, okay, control groups are just armies. This is army one. And that just is a control group and an easy way to access it. And I will only build units into this by clicking the button in the in the army thing to just add directly to the army instead of trying to merge that merge is non-existent in this game but the idea of the army and like you say the way it maneuvers itself and it controls itself and it lines up in in, in an intelligent way based on the mix of units you've created like that's to me that was the coolest part of this oh, game yeah. and and i really dug that and wished like take that and put it into uh, you know, every game, because that idea of 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 taking the it, it almost is taking the control group idea and saying once you bind these things together, they are going to act in an, in a way that is in a relationship to what composes that thing. And that's a super cool idea that I really did dig about this one. I also <clears throat> I really appreciated the fact that the game runs butter smooth on yeah. on my computer, even when there's like a trillion units on the screen and i think that really speaks to the the advantages of advantages of a 64 bit engine i've been saying for a while now that it's half past time for strategy games to abandon x86 because and i think ashes of the singularity is a perfect example of what you can do without impacting performance when you when you switch over boy was that not my experience at all really, really? oh yeah this thing was this thing ran like a dog. 
for for the most part like it like it it, it sort of it chugged along uh, it wasn't like unplayably slow but it was definitely sluggish and i could definitely feel it starting to creak when uh when a lot was going on now uh, admittedly i'm a couple years behind right like i'm running i'm still running a 770 well that's what i have too all right well do yeah. you are are you on windows 10 uh oh no i'm still on oh, okay. um, yeah. that might be i it. know there yeah. was there were they were bragging about some sort of optimization they did with Windows 10 where they would right. offload minor graphical tasks to the CPU. Yeah. So that might be why it, it ran a little better for me. Yeah, yeah I, I will say with the I w- I'm running a GTX 970 on Windows 10 i7 and I n- nary a hiccup. And there's a lot going on on this screen. I mean, it is it is a game I was often expecting a hiccup from. So it might be, yeah, it might be the OS. Yeah, it's probably the OS, but again, like I'm not upgrading to Windows 10 for for Ash and Singularity. <laughs> like I'm, I'm I'm happy with my OS, and I'm, I'm pre- like I'm 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 sure it's the, I'm sure on the new Direct X with the with 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 the with the new with the new Direct X, you can get those performance gains. Uh, I'm not sure that's necessarily a function of it being well. I'm I'm speaking beyond my expertise here. Uh, but my understanding is I've been hearing like 64 bit, uh, you know, games will, will change things, but I'm on a 64 bit OS right now, aren't I? Like that's, that's yeah, like, I got that version of, of, of windows with the, the, the with the 64 bit. So if the entire thing is now hinging on a fair narrow, narrow set of gamers who are running DX 10, uh, I'm. I'm not sure. Well, what, 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 no, Windows 10's DirectX 12? 12. Yeah. I think it's 12 yeah. now. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. For, so basically for me, it was like, yeah, this was like, that's actually something I wanted to bring up. I, I kind of felt like this game was also part tech demo. And clearly, like, you guys had a great experience with its performance because you sort of, like, you're on that. You, you're on that cutting edge and you embraced, you embraced Windows 10. That is I'm what not, they always say about me. <laughs> yeah and with, with music too <laughs> just i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna field it i'm just gonna let it lie there anyway going going back to that though i i just sort of felt like this was like requiring that sort of it has to run on this os and you know it, it certainly would help if you had a had a better video card and then you can really see what this game is all about, which is pushing these massive, massive armies, um, from, from a performance point that, from a performance standpoint, that was a bit of a loss for me uh, because obviously it didn't perform as well on my PC. But then also it got me wondering, like, how much of this game was driven by the need to just have massive, massive armies on the screen, um, to the point where that sort of overwhelmed uh, other objectives. Right. That's that I kind of like I was kind of left wondering, like, are a lot of the problems this game has traceable to the fact that ultimately it was meant to be viewed from this sort of elevated perspective while your entire monitor was covered with with armies? Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I don't actually mind that idea. Like that was the cool that was one of the cool things I was looking forward to about actually playing this. I love a game that provides that sort of grand spectacle of. Of, of war in that way uh you know you, the, the, that's one of the great things about like the total war series i mean you could say that the total war series and it has its uh, definite ups and downs um but it, it you know it often feels kind of like a tech look how many people we can put on this screen and look how big these battles can be um but in its best moments uh it doesn't lose its it doesn't lose its way. It doesn't lose its, you know, ethos um, in the way that it felt like this did. And I don't, you know, I, 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 I could speculate that it just was sort of tech demo. I mean, they do have like do a benchmark right there in the main menu. They clearly are 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 excited about what they're putting on the screen. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like there's a, there there's definitely a way they could have done that and solved these problems. And I guess it comes back to that question of you know was it a budget thing? Was it a time thing? Um, was it a they thought it was done thing? And we just I I just don't agree. I'm I'm not sure which of those it is. Yeah, it's it's weird. It it seems like there's there's really expensive technology 
running it, but it's almost like an indie project in terms of the way it's put together. I mean, we mentioned that when we were talking about the campaign. It, it seems like a shoestring budget sort of thing. It, it just seems like letting a uh, like like having a a really plain featured car with a really 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 nice engine yeah. in it or something. Yeah. No, that's that's very much it, right? You got just like a metal ring for a wheel and, yeah. and all that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, there's 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 definitely parts of this that just are are sort of lacking uh, the necessary refinement. I think the art direction is another example of that. Like just the fact it's not as readable as it could be uh, mm-hmm. is is another is another issue. Um, and yet, for all that, like. There, like, there, there are things I'm definitely on board with in terms of the way this game is paced and the way it works. Like, I kind of like the fact that you're kind of dealing with the game on this um, strategic map layer almost. Like, you, you, like the way the game is is arranged, it's a bit like Company of Heroes where you've got all these nodes, but on the bigger maps, there's there's a lot of them. And you have to be able to trace routes back from node to node uh, back to your headquarters in order to collect the resources uh, from from the buildings out along those nodes. And I forget are are the are, are your production buildings also dependent on contiguous uh, yeah supply routes? Yeah, you you don't get resources like if you have a metal mine and it's not and the node between it and your base isn't connected. I believe um, I'm like ninety percent sure that no you that doesn't that doesn't feed you. Oh, but does does unit production work if you have like a factory built out on the front? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You can you can build those anywhere. I think. I think so, but um, yeah. Um, usually, if you start losing those nodes, you won't be building much anyway because you, you, your production <laughs> will just start to crumble. Like something I saw, like something I employed and saw employed pretty effectively a number of times, was uh, you know you can send like a big, you know, spear thrust of an army just straight up a. A, a lane of nodes basically and just start rolling up the map and if it keeps moving like because because units are kind of slow in this game um you can actually send a force like that and it's sort of doing the um you know the the jeb stewart thing i guess of, of just like outrunning pursuers and just like ripping up infrastructure along the way and even if like that army is eventually cornered and destroyed the havoc they can inflict in that time, the the economic havoc they can inflict, can be game ending. Like mm-hmm. you can lose, uh, you can lose so much resource income that your production's basically halted for like, you know, five minutes, and that's a lifetime in this game. And that's another weird thing. This game is very slow paced, sort of. It has sort of a lumbering pace, but. It's a little deceptive, right? Because the game is not as slow as the units move. The game is a little bit faster than that. It's just that everything has a lot of momentum, right? Like, So you have to start recognizing things happening fairly early because by the time they become obvious, the situation might be irretrievable, which is actually a pretty cool thing to, to see in this game. Like, it's, it's night and day from like a game like StarCraft, for instance, where like... Starcraft, everything is so compressed, everything happens so fast that like things emerge and disappear within the space of a few seconds and reactions have to be very quick. Here, it's like things will unfold very slowly, but they will also your ability to react will also be slow enough that you really need to have anticipated or at least built contingencies into your game plan uh, because if you fall behind, you will have a hard time catching up. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think the dreadnoughts are emblematic of that in that they're they're so slow that you want to have them because a dread a, a, an army with embedded dreadnoughts against one that doesn't have dreadnoughts, the dreadnought army is probably going to win. But they're slow enough that on the larger maps, you could lose the game while your dreadnoughts are on the other side of the map. Like they're not even going to get back to where you need them fast enough if you didn't anticipate where you were going to need them ahead of time. Like, someone could come in and kill your whole entire base, and your Dreadnoughts will still be on the way back to help defend mm. your base, uh, which I thought was interesting, just the, the idea that your your most powerful units are, like, locked down to wherever you decided to send them, and you can't really 
react to quick attacks with them at all. Uh, yeah, the Dreadnoughts are interesting because they, they, they're kind of the only unit... They're once the super unit of the game, but they're also the hero unit with like special abilities tied mm-hmm. to your, your respective Dreadnoughts that can... You can have one-off like bursts of power. They can support your army and augment them in, in those ways. Um, and so it's like every other unit's disposable, but the Dreadnoughts you, you really want to keep safe... Not just because they're really valuable and expensive, but because the longer they're out on the map, the the better they are. But I did find it interesting that, yeah, like everything is, yeah, every army's kind of slow in this game. The dreadnoughts really are almost on a one way trip. Like mm-hmm. you know, like they they go to their they go to their front, and you kind of need to be able to commit to having them there for a while because. If you have to have your dreadnought like running back, like you know, trying to chase down the flow of play, um, that's just not going to work, right? It's it's like it's like it's sort of like asking, uh, like if it's football, right? It's sort of like asking a defensive end to go into the safety role, right? Mm-hmm. It just it's just not <laughs> yeah. going to work. Like yeah, eventually he might get back there and like lay a big hit on, but by that point the play will be over, and I definitely like. Had a few moments, had had a few games where like this had to be sort of drilled in because I like I would try weird like flanking runs with my dreadnoughts, which could be really effective if they were supported. Uh, But the moment somebody was like, "All right, well your dreadnoughts over here," uh, I'm just going to rush up the middle of the map and see what you got. The answer is usually I didn't have much, (laughs) and then I'd be like, "Okay, well dreadnought, we we need to get you back here," and they'd be arriving like. They'd, they'd be like two nodes behind, right? Yeah. So they'd, they'd yep. constantly like be coming through the aftermath of like yet another lost battle. Yep. And they'd arrive maybe in time to save my base, but my economy would be gone and the game would be over. Which Pretty is actually much. a strategic texture I really like about this game. I think that that idea of having, you know, this this unit that is absolutely so powerful and so versatile and so, um, you know, game-changing when it engages the way you want it to engage, um, but forcing you, like, that was the most strategic thinking I felt like I did, is how am I going to use this these really powerful units um without just you know either either in confidence that the the area i'm going is the area that i will eventually engage in or in a way that it doesn't leave me just totally exposed i i I thought that was like that was that was sort of when the game was at its best that was when the right things seemed to be coming together almost interestingly before the battle before the conflict is happening the outside of actually trying to control all that when it is suggesting what the possibility of things are going to be and you start moving things in that direction you're like great this is going to be awesome this is going to work often it doesn't <laughs> um, I mean, it just doesn't work out either the way you want it, or you run into you know those those little glitches. Um, but that was when I was at the ha- my happiest. That was when I would sit back and go, "Well, maybe there is something more here than I thought." That's an interesting point you mentioned that a lot of this game seems to exist in the moment, sort of before the battle, uh, because I, I definitely noticed that there there are a lot of things sort of meant to this, like meant to sort of drive that sense that you have to be making gambles and identifying what's happening before you necessarily see it with your own eyes, right? Like you're not going like you're not going to have that StarCraft moment of like you see the, you know, you you see the colossi or something and mm-hmm. you know, you can retreat and then start queuing up uh, you know, the the right units to to deal with them. Uh here it's very much they they play around a lot with um radar intelligence right like they there's a lot of like line of sight stuff mm-hmm. and then um sort of gray area i don't know what you call it, imperfect intelligence so as you build sensor towers and, and i learned quick like you need to build a lot of radar towers you need oh, yeah. to have that vi- mm-hmm. that 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 ability to to sort of see into the um you know see into the murk of the map because if you do that it's it's pretty clever that what they've done, you won't see like radar signatures. You will see like a heat map almost yep. of like where enemy activity is. So like if it's nothing, it's a very dark blue. Uh, but then you'll have these bright like red and orange splotches that sort of shift around. But it's it, it, what I really like about it is it's very hard to sort of 
figure out magnitude from those from those like color splotches. Like the game is smart enough not to basically give the entire army's placement away with this. Like all you basically know is there's a group of enemies and is it big or small? But beyond that, you really don't know much. And so there's this constant like you know, at the at the edges of your vision, there there's sort of this the shifting colorscape as as and, and you know the enemy's seeing the same thing, right? So mm-hmm. you, there there's kind of this cool like pre-battle like dance of units as as you begin to try to figure out like okay who's committing where and what do i need to be watching for and i I really liked that yeah you know and actually one of the i mean you mentioned is it large or small does it exist the other thing i found that really effective for and this was actually the thing that felt coolest to me is which way is it going um, because it, I mean, yeah. the, they, they sort of, they sort of, it's almost like an amoeba, like, yes. like, look, like the heat map description is perfect. Um, but that was when I'm, I felt it was most effective when I, when I would just sort of be able to not just glimpse the size of the army, but to, to have those rare moments either where I think, oh crap, I'm, I, I'm totally exposed there. And you know, well, that's probably game or, ah. They're walking right into it. That was that's my favorite. That was sort of my favorite. You'd see it flowing in exactly the way you would hope it would. Um, yeah, I, almost, I did like that. It almost feels like when we talk about the comparison, StarCraft is almost like a like a fast paced kung fu movie. Yeah, and Ashes is sort of like boxing in slow motion. Yeah, like once once the fist gets started, there's really not a lot you can do to stop it unless you already had something on the way. And if it lands, it's going to land hard, but there's really nothing you can do to, like, move it somewhere else once you've started to throw that punch with right. your big armies and your dreadnoughts. Something I would do a lot as well with the, um, sort of the enemy armies being detected but not necessarily spotted, uh, I would often sort of keep my Air Force in reserve until, like, I saw a big target. And then I would send all the bombers and, like, you know, hope and and hope that because I basically sort of kept those uh, like kept those in reserve, that there wouldn't be a lot of anti-air, which which worked surprisingly often. Because um, like I would send such an overwhelming number that like I would get that first those first two good bombing runs uh, against clustered enemies before you know before uh, they were able to sort of react, and I, I was able to to catch out a few armies that way. Um, Though I, I did find air units, again, like, I felt like air units didn't necessarily uh, play nicely with the whole army system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's exactly. like they break the rules of the game, sort of. Yeah, like, I would get frustrated where it's like, air units, I think, are hard for a lot of RTSs, especially because, like, you try to make them look like air units should with, like, big looping turns and everything. But then I would also get really frustrated that my air units would would complete their bombing runs and then just fly wherever the hell they wanted, you know, over an enemy <laughs> base, get the shit shot out of them. And then they fly back and make another bombing run. And then they make another like series of random like flight path moves. And it's like, no, just like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> like, it, like it, it, it was, it, it was kind of exasperating where it's like, I, like I, I couldn't micro these guys cause this game doesn't really let you micro. Uh, but at the same time, like, it was very hard to figure out how to deploy them in a way that they wouldn't sort of fly to their doom after that first strike, right? And I started viewing them almost as a first, like, as a one-shot weapon. And then, like, then they'd probably be depleted. Um, but, you know, it's a, it a small issue. Uh, but I, I definitely thought it was, it was cool the ways, you, the ways you could sort of interact with, the, uh, with that imperfect information. Um, there was something weird I noticed. Um, one of the victory conditions is you can you can get like basically you control strategic points, right? And mm-hmm. you control them for long enough, and your victory bar like fills up, and you win. It's the countdown. You you held the key points for long enough, and and you win the game. Uh, there are a few maps, a few games where those appeared to spawn in wildly unfair locations. Uh, did did any of you encounter that? I don't know if I remember any maps that 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 seemed to be the case, like blatantly. 
Yeah, no. I had one where like it was a two person map and those two control points like it was a big map. Like there was there were probably like twenty nodes on the battlefield between the two bases. And they were basically adjacent to the enemy base. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, are you kidding? That sounds awful. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Huh. Yeah, and I was like, I, 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 I need, to, need to figure out which map that was. I need to figure out if that was the map, like, that the map's just weirdly asymmetrical, or whether those nodes can be, like, sort of randomly assigned based on the map. It was super weird. Usually, like, usually they were where you'd expect them, right? They were in corners, mm-hmm. sort of equidistant right. from the two main bases. And then, like, this one game, like, I just roll down the exit of my base and there's one of the Turium reactors or whatever. And I was like, huh. <laughs> well, I guess we'll do that victory this time then. I don't remember that hmm. happening. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't play every multiplayer map by any stretch. No, so, yeah. yeah. Well, and who would know? Because the, they're kind of drab. Yeah, yeah. And that was actually one of my biggest criticisms is that the environments uh, are just very bland and uninteresting pretty much throughout the entire set of maps multiplayer and single player included yeah i I totally agree it just it's it's yeah they aren't you know and i guess i would forgive it a little more if i felt they were laid out in an interesting way or in a clearly sort of evident way and and again i guess i'm also thinking a lot i played I, more of the single player campaign than you know than I, I just stuck with it i just powered through and that was probably not the right idea but um like like it's clearly trying to get you to put things in a clear line um you know to sort of extend out and, and branch out because that's the way the whole economy system works um but not only did did I feel like the maps looked bland? Like they just sort of played bland too. They didn't feel very interested. Like this, I didn't often feel like the strategy of the map was interesting enough to overcome the sort of dullness of what I was looking at. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm being influenced, you know, by the fact that it's just, Oh, look at this kind of weirdly sculpted mountain, I guess. I'm not yeah. totally sure. Yeah. There I were, there were some maps I definitely liked a lot better than others. I know there's there's like a four player multiplayer map that basically has a giant crater in the middle. That was cool. Only, yeah, only accessible by air units. Like there there were some that were pretty clever mm-hmm. and did like clever things with line of sight at certain choke points, where I was like, okay, yeah, I, I could see how you could have some pretty interesting engagements here. But then for every one of those, it seemed like there was one that was like a basically like a three-lane League of Legends map or something where right. it's just a yeah. matter of which lane am I going to send my troops to. Yeah, it, it did feel like that at times. I I actually kind of liked most of the, the dynamics on the maps. Like, I enjoyed... I, I enjoyed making decisions. Like, there is... Yeah, you're definitely, like, lane-pushing, almost like a MOBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I enjoyed like how much you're sort of trying to choose like how far you're going to press your luck, right? Like, are you going to just push up a lane? Are you going to try to cut off enemy sectors? Um, and sort of the more of a spider web of of a sector map you you create, uh, and some of those things get get pretty uh, dense with the with the sort of connection lines. Uh, more things open up, and uh, I was surprised how often like. Uh, there, there, it, there, there were interesting like lines of attack that hadn't immediately been obvious to me, but uh, my enemy certainly was able to figure out what the uh, what the keys were. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, there was I actually liked the way the maps played. Hmm. The things I didn't like was I, I again I thought they were a little ugly. Like they they looked like the, the, just they were the, the the color wasn't too lively. Um, the 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 ground textures just looked a little smeared. Um, like almost like a voxel game, if you remember, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, like the Nova Logic uh, games that 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 all ran on voxels. Um, things weren't necessarily like always clear. Like, is that furrow in the ground impassable terrain, or can my units roll over it? And what mm-hmm. separates that from an impassable like cliff? It wasn't always clear to me. Uh, and then the other thing is, I think the game relied way too much on uh, canyons. Uh, connecting yeah. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. location to to the next, and that does like 
you could and also like it, it forced units to sort of follow those 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 lanes which which wasn't always great uh but then also you mentioned earlier tj that the ai doesn't always seem to know what to do uh in spaces like that and there's this one map in particular where i had found this really like key like crossroads right it was like this opens it was this like open-ish space uh at sort of a junction of like four or five different canyon lanes uh sort of fed into this junction and i was like all right i'm gonna park my army here and and hold it um and my ai general kind of fanned the troops out across the lanes and so the effect was it basically parked its flanks into the enemy line of attack and it was really weird it was like <laughs> the way so the way you'd imagine it is like so basically they're trying to hold the center of an x right and that's what i want them to be holding is like i want to hold the center of the x and protect the two the two lines coming off uh, north back towards my base and keep the enemy locked down on, on on the southern side of the x and instead what the ai did was basically aligned itself with the northwest part of the x and the southeast part and so when the enemy like uh forces came in they just rolled up my entire army and i was like please turn like fight those guys fight those guys <laughs> and i was like i got it you want me to array the other way and I was like, no, I, I really don't. I, I, that's, that's not. So, like, there are definitely times where, like, that AI would sort of get turned around in those box canyons. Um, and that could, like, it, it did seem to, it did seem like a lot of the maps sort of created uh, pathing difficulties uh, for the yep. AI, uh, which, well, which, which wasn't ideal. And it, it, it creates an interesting dynamic of, of favoring aggression because the armies yeah. seem to do better when they're on a forward trajectory than if you try to send them back or keep them in one spot. That's a great point, too. Yeah. yeah. I would have been better had I just kept plunging ahead with that army. So, I mean, as we, as we wind this down, like, I, I can't say this is a bad game. There's, there, there, there's, things, there, there's a lot of things I like about it. I actually do like the pacing. I like sort of commanding these big you know sluggish armies that that take a few minutes to turn around like a battleship and yet and yet it's a really hard game to recommend because there's just there's there's all these things that 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 are sort of prickly about it yeah i'd like to end on a high note so let me go first and give you guys time to talk um, because I don't really have a high note here for, for me. This was, this was, I, I, I think I described it at some point as a mule, which is what it just sort of stuck as in my head at this, this kind of stubborn, hard to move, hard to engage, but you know, like, like clearly has uses, has moments where it's extremely useful and you're glad you have it there with you. And all the rest of the time, it's just this frustrating thing. You're you just, you just wish you didn't have to deal with. That was, that was my feeling most of the time I was playing it. Like I would get to these, these sort of high moments, like I was talking about right before the battles, you know, this battle started or, um, you know, when, when, when it really, you, some of those mechanics that, that are good had their moment to shine. But ultimately, to me, you know, when I think about what an RTS is, I think it really, for me, it, it comes down to the engagements. Um, that's just the way I enjoy RTSs. That's why I enjoy a lot of the RTSs I do. You know, I think Homeworld, again, Deathless Carrick was amazing at this. StarCraft is amazing at this. Um, the, you know, those those fights, I, I love, it, it's sort of the exclamation point. It's 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 the, the, the climax of all this thing you've been building. And to go into those moments and have, um, have it just, have all the mechanics just sort of crash into each other and, you know, fall on the floor like an empty bag of marbles, um, it just, it, that, that was, that was so difficult for me to get past um and i don't think i ever did so yeah i i i don't recommend I, and you know good rts is like you're che- i'm cheering for him i want the next gray goo to show up i want the next deserts of carrick I, there aren't enough of these to be uh out there to you know when they come in into my inbox i'm like please be good please be good please be good um i don't i don't walk away thinking this one was that great 
Yeah, I think I had a, a overall a lot more positive opinion of it. I mean, I gave it a seventy-seven when I reviewed it for IGN, so I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good game. I know it might not sound like it because I've been nitpicking about the parts I don't like for most of this episode, but for me, I really enjoy the idea that I can lose a map, and like I said earlier, like I can think through it strategically. I can think through it at a very high level and be like, okay, I, you know, I didn't have enough anti-air in this sector. I overcommitted my dreadnoughts in this sector, and that's why I lost. I would much rather have that sort of a post-mortem than to be like, well, I didn't land my Psy Storms perfectly, or like I didn't micro these Banelings perfectly, because that's all just like small fiddly stuff that it's like I just I wasn't I wasn't in the zone whereas I I'd much rather think about it on a higher strategic level is like what could I do in terms of my army composition in terms of my army placement that could have changed that battle and in a lot of the campaign missions that ended up being the key to success was reevaluating my entire strategy from the top down and just the sort of player that i am i find that more rewarding than like okay you need to you need to get better on your medevac control or you need to get better on your stutter step so i i enjoyed that part of the game and that part of the learning curve of the game quite a bit i was thinking like like why did you sound more negative here than than in your review and i think one thing that makes it difficult to to discuss this game is that it's a game where if you look at individual parts, there, there a lot of flaws become apparent, right? This is a game that's meant to be played and considered from like a zoomed out perspective, right? Like where the game works is at this really macro level where you're thinking in terms of armies and movement around a map and time increments in, you know, spaces of minutes, not seconds. Uh, it's, it's an RTS that... Uh, you know, is allows for a little more brute forcing. Uh, it's an RTS that doesn't necessarily make you feel like you're a bad human being for not knowing the exact <laughs> knowing the exact second at which you were supposed to build that extra construction unit, or mm. the exact second at which your third squad of frigates was supposed to come out. This isn't that kind of game. That's 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 really a relief. But I think the one issue in the way this game comes across is that what it does really, really well is is also pretty simple, right? Like this is, or at least it sounds simple. It's 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 harder to achieve than 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 it probably sounds. But what where this game really works is in that you're pushing these huge blocks of units around this giant map. And watching these plays unfold for you know several minutes at a time, and then the armies clash, and yeah, it's not readable what's really going on in those clashes, but to an extent, it doesn't really have to be. It's not necessarily that kind of game, so you can sit back and sort of watch the fireworks. Um, but when you're looking at a game in the critical context you sort of have to look at these at these individual parts right you sort of have to like look at the look at those things and be like well does that really work does 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 that really make sense and the problem is that i i think to to sort of achieve that that sort of big picture uh, glory that that ashes of the singularity is going for it kind of skimps on a lot of that detail work and eventually like i hit a point where i i wanted to know a little bit more about what's happening underneath the hood right like i wanted to know like am i making good decisions not just like did mm -hmm. i make the right decision five minutes ago but like is my army good you know is this is, yeah. is, this, yeah, is yeah. this is this actually remotely effective what i'm doing and it ends up leaving me in in the dark in different ways than other rts's but nevertheless it, it it does sort of get back to that place of like man there's a lot of things i'm doing in this game that i'm just I'm just kind of operating on faith that they're effective because Ashes of the Singularity doesn't really tell me if I'm doing well or not and almost doesn't seem like it's designed to be a game where where you're supposed to care about that. Yeah, I it's I, I, I think that's 
I think that's right. But I, I mean, I just can't get past that. That doesn't. And again, so I, I think that one of the things we've really hit on, and I think TJ hit it on it, on it too, is that all the things he sort of describes as the way he wants to evaluate a postmortem in an RTS sound like fun to me. Like those are the things that I get into, right? I, I want to know, did I, did I have that? Did I have that worker at the right moment? Did I build that building at the right moment? Did I, did I have those things? So I think there is an element here of understanding what kind of RTS player you are, because this, one, one of the things I absolutely will give this game is it's not really trying to mimic anybody else, right? It, it's its own thing very much so, um, which I do like, and I do appreciate um, and I take that into account as part of my evaluation being that, you know, while I think there are, there, there's plenty of elements of this that we can criticize, and I think we've hit a lot of them, um, whether it ultimately gels and lean, which way in that, that uh, you know, it leans on the needle is to some degree probably going to come down to the kind of player you are and the kind of game you get into. When I have a slow, methodical kind of, strategy game it it it, it draw, draws a very different picture in my head and when i have an rts game um like this that that's sort of constructed around some of the basic constructs for lack of a better word of rts's right you know skirmishes maps and multiplayer and you know top-down views and drag and click and you know boxes and 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 you know uh, assigning units to control groups stuff like that uh that sets an expectation for what i enjoy and i think I think we just had a, you know, me to some degree, me and the game had a disconnect there, um, which I don't think is dishonest. I think it is an honest disconnect because it's trying to be something that is very, very much one, not something you see everywhere, and two, probably isn't the way I generally lean. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll we'll leave it there. Uh, that will do it for tonight's discussion of Ashes of the Singularity. Uh, as always, this episode was produced by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network at idlethumbs.net. Uh, you can learn more about the show or look at other episodes or join uh, in discussions in our forums by going to throughmoosahead.net, which will redirect you to the Idle Thumbs website, and uh, you can discuss this episode with us and our listeners. Uh, finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. If you've been enjoying our show, please consider contributing at patreon.com slash 3MA. We'll be back next week with another episode of 3MA. Until then, for TJ Hafer and Sean Sands, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. <laughs>